Assalamu alaikum, brothers, sisters, and seekers. Welcome to the Appalachian Zufi Podcast. My name is Isa Salam, a.k.a. Jordan, and today I wanted to talk about a subject that is very, very personal to me, very near and dear to my heart, and uh, that is the subject of Sufi music and art and poetry and... Um, specifically, one of my great influences, um, Anayat Khan, and uh, he is very, very, uh, like I said, very in- influential in my life. And uh, I want to talk about him, but also talk about, in general, the uh, the influence that Sufi art and music has on Islamic culture and world culture as well so let's dive right into that so first of all i want to uh talk about um there's a rich tradition in sufism of music and art and poetry um because of uh, Sama and uh, Sama, for those who don't know, I've gone over this term before, but um, for, for those that don't know, again, this is called this is uh, what's known as audition, or uh, the, the translation is audition, and uh, it's basically a process in which Sufis display their faith. Um, and uh, perform their dikr or their duty um, or their uh, or remembrance. I'm sorry, not duty, remembrance. Although it is their duty to remember. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a it's a, a related concept to sama. Um, and basically, music and poetry and art are part of dikr and sama and uh they help with remembering allah and uh and with keeping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives our daily lives and remembering that he is always there he is always present and uh and that, that's pretty much it. So um, these rituals that are part of Sama can involve singing, dancing, reciting poetry, um, and and all these great things that, uh, for instance, um, the Mevlevi order, which was founded by Jalaluddin Rumi, uh, who is another great example of Sufi poetry and writing, um that order is famous for their whirling dervishes and uh that is an example of sama um that 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 is sama in action right there so um obviously they are very important but i wanted to highlight um a specific person 
and that is um, Hazrat Inayat Khan, and he was really one of the people that is most responsible for getting me into Suf uh, into Sufism, uh, if indirectly. <laughs> so um, he uh, wrote this very influential book. Actually, he, he didn't really write this, but it's like a collection of his lectures and writings and sayings uh, on the topic of music. Uh, this book right here, uh, The Mysticism of Sound and Music. And uh, this was a very influential uh, book where he talks about ideas like how everything in the universe is music. Like the the uh, the the moving of the clouds, the move, the movement of the planets, the alignment of the stars, you know, people walking on the street, you know, all of that is based on rhythm and vibration. And, you know, so all of that is music, you know, um, and that is very much in line um, with Sufi principles. And um, this is a very, very good book. I highly recommend it to even people that aren't interested in the theological aspect uh, of Sufism. I would highly recommend it for any musicians um, that are even slightly interested in the spiritual aspect of music because um, obviously um, Inayat Khan offers some very, very good and unique perspective into that as well. And um, he just writes things in a very eloquent and uh, a, a very beautiful and poetic way and uh, i think he's a very very gifted or was a very um gifted writer and uh composer and he's uh really good and it's funny because one of the points he makes is actually um uh you know in this book one one of the points he makes is actually way ahead of its time because he was writing when he was uh, writing and lecturing, that was in like the early 19 teens and uh, uh, early 1920s. And uh, uh, real quick before I do that, um, he was born in 1882 and he died in 1927 and he was Indian. He was uh, he was born in what was then British, the British occupied India so um just wanted to give that brief background but anyway he makes the point and this is again writing in the 19 teens or 1920s that we've become way too distracted by secular things and material things and that the pace of life is becoming way too fast and he was he was saying this way before we even had TV and, and, and just as like radio was becoming popular, you know? So this was way before Instagram and way before social media, way before TV, way before anything like that, way before the internet, you know? And, and he was saying, even back then, 
he was saying a hundred years ago, like, whoa, the pace of life is way too fast here. And we're, we're getting, um, way too distracted by worldly things. And I thought that was an amazing point that he made, uh, in this book. Um, and it was amazing to hear somebody a hundred years ago, make that point because had he been alive today, I don't think Inayat Khan would have been able to comprehend the pace of life today. <laughs> you know, if he thought, you know what I mean? Like if, if he thought the, the pace of life say in 1923 was fast, you know, you can only imagine what he would think about 2023, you know, so, um, so it's just an interesting thing to think about, you know, perspective is a very, um, interesting thing. And it's a very important thing to, to contemplate. And, um, it really makes you think, um, we're so used to, um, our pace of life here, um, in 2023. Well, what was the pace of life back in 19? 23 or you know 1913 you know like what what was the pace of life at the time obviously not a lot of people can tell us that <laughs> you know there's you know not a lot of people around uh, from that time uh today obviously so um uh i'm not sure uh what we can possibly know about that but um it's just an interesting thing to uh to contemplate um, another book that I have from him uh, is this book called um, Sufi Prayers um, from uh, Inayat Khan. And uh, it's a much smaller volume, as you can see. And uh, it's pretty worn out. <laughs> I got it a few years ago at the same place that I got uh, the other book. And the main prayer that he has in this um uh at least uh one of the main prayers is something that i really really um uh have just taken to heart and um would like to share with you guys um so basically you're supposed to uh Raise your gaze to the sky, it says, and then drop your chin to your chest. And then you're uh, supposed to say, um, this is not my body. And you're supposed to look across. And you say, this is the temple of my heart. And just think about that for a second. This is not my body. This is the temple of my heart. And that's a very serious statement. You know, when you think about it, that's it's a simple thing, but it's a very powerful, powerful statement, because when you think about it, that's true. You know, um, your body is just, you know, a, a holding place for your spirit, for your soul. And even though it is just a holding place, you still have to take care of that holding place. You do have a, a, a moral responsibility to take care of that holding place. So um, it's one of the reasons why, um, you know, as, as 
Muslims uh, were not supposed to um, do too much of, you know, things like drinking alcohol or um, uh, engage in any other, you know, uh, substances or anything like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it is haram and uh, as, as it should be, quite frankly, you know, um, you know, I, I don't have uh, any specific real issue with things like alcohol and drugs being haram. Um, I do, in all honesty, um, if I'm out socially, you know, and somebody offers me a drink or whatever, you know, you know, I'll, I'll have like one, you know, once in a while, but, but I'm certainly not the biggest, um, drinker in the world. And after, you know, each drink, I do sincerely, you know, pray for forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, I, I do, um, uh, absolutely, absolutely, um, ask for his forgiveness because, you know, those are temptations, um, of the flesh. And unfortunately, um, sometimes, you know, we're sometimes temptations are just so overpowering that you, you can't help it. We're human. You know, we make mistakes. And as long as you're genuinely remorseful, you know, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you for, um, for those mistakes. So, um, so, I don't really know why I went on such a tangent about alcohol or, or drugs, but, you know, but I guess the point is to connect it back to what I was saying before. It, it is much more um, fulfilling and uh, productive if you concentrate on uh, spiritual fulfillment and uh, accomplishing what you want to in life and accomplishing, uh, and fulfilling your duties as a Muslim, then, uh, sort of giving in to pleasures of the flesh and pleasures that, um, aren't always the best for you. You know, I think that, um, we've, we have ample evidence that Allah uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows um, what is best for us in many instances. And uh, I think that that's one of the reasons why, you know, alcohol is haram and drugs are haram. It's because that those things are a waste of time ultimately, and they're not ultimately fulfilling and they don't help you in the long run. You know, they, they cause more trouble than they're worth. And um, they're not a useful tool to, um, to help you spiritually or um, even just in your personal life. Um, so uh, that is another key point. Um, you're much better off pursuing things like art and music and poetry um, to to fulfill yourself and to to 
release some of the feelings that you otherwise would release through, again, drinking, doing drugs, partying, all that kind of stuff that is also very tempting to do, but is something that we as Muslims have been challenged to try to avoid. That is the key point there. And, um, you know, so, so, so that's, um, one of the reasons why I think music and art and poetry and dance and all these things are very, very important in the life of every Muslim. And I've gone over my disagreements with people who are like, oh, music is haram and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. No, there are passages in the Quran that, and in the Hadith as well, who, the, 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 there are passages which speak about musical instruments and, uh, and shaitan, for instance, using musical instruments to seduce people. But the analogy I come up with is, well, the devil in Christianity is often depicted as using a pitchfork. And as far as I know, no farmer is opposed to using pitchforks because the devil also has a pitchfork. So, um, so I don't think we should be averse to taking part in music just because Shaitan uh, has, uh, you know, sometimes uses musical instruments as a vehicle for seduction. You know, we should actually counteract that with good music and, and music that uplifts people and music that that um, spiritually fulfills people instead of, you know, seduces them in, in a nefarious way or, or downgrades them or, or um, bullies them or whatever, you know. So I think that there's a way to use music for uh for in a positive way rather than in a negative way um just like there's a way to use other art forms in a positive way that can keep people away from like i said pleasures that are temporary and can feel very, very good by, you know, pleasure by definition, uh, can feel very, very good in the short term, but in the long term, they don't really do too many people a lot of good because um, they can either have long-term health effects, uh, like, like physical health effects, mental health effects that can affect your relationships. They can affect your job. They can affect, um, just everything in your life. They can affect your finances. You know, you, you just, you know, you don't want to mess with, um, too many, uh, too many pleasures, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, at least the unhealthy ones, you know, there are plenty of healthy pleasures that um, are permissible um, in Islam, but um, the unhealthy ones 
um, by definition, I think it is best to avoid. Um, but before I leave you, I do want to make sure that I inform you a little bit, um, circling back here, um, about Anayat Khan and who he was, um, as a person. So, Anayat Khan was an Indian professor of musicology, a singer, and an exponent, uh, of the veena, which is a uh, stringed instrument uh, in India, and he was a poet, a philosopher, and a pioneer of the transmission of Sufism to the West. Um, and um, he uh, did establish a Sufi order in London in 1914, and by the time of his death in 1927. By the way, all of this is uh, on Wikipedia, by the way. Um, so, by the time of his death in 1927, centers had been established throughout Europe and North America, and multiple volumes of his teachings had been published. And I think that that's where uh, some of the content of the uh, book I showed you earlier, the mysticism, of, the mysticism of Sound and Music, I think that's where some of the content of that book comes from is the uh, published lectures that he, that he had. Um, so he was born, he came from a, uh, a uh, Mughal background and um, he uh, traveled all around the, the world, uh, including to the U S actually Um and uh, his brother was a guy by the name of Mahabub, and he, uh, uh, and they also had a cousin named Muhammad Ali Khan, and they toured the United States from 1910 to 1912. So, wow, they did like two or three year tour. That's pretty impressive, actually. And, so they had uh, 10 foundational principles. Ooh, that's interesting. So let's explore that, shall we? So uh, there is one God, the eternal, the only being. Uh, none exists save God. Uh, number two, there is only one master, the guiding spirit of all souls, who constantly leads followers toward the light. Uh, number three, there is one holy book, the sacred manuscript of nature, the only scripture which can enlighten the reader. Four, there is only one religion, the uh, unswerving progress in the right direction toward the ideal, which fulfills uh, the life's purpose of every soul. Um, number five, there is one law, the law of reciprocity, which can be observed by a selfless conscience together with a sense of awakened justice. Number six, there is one brotherhood and sisterhood, the human brotherhood and sisterhood, which unites the children of earth indiscriminately in the parenthood of God. Um, number seven, there is one moral, the love of which springs forth from self-denial and blooms in deeds of beneficence. 
Number eight, there is one object of praise, the beauty of which uplifts the heart of its worshipers through all aspects uh, from the seen to the unseen. Number nine, there is one truth, the true knowledge of our being, within and without, which is the essence of all wisdom. And number 10, there is one path, the path of annihilation, uh, and the annihilation of the false ego, um, the false ego in the real, I'm sorry, uh, which raises the mortal to immortality and which resides in all perfection. And wow, that, that is some great stuff. Wow. This is awesome. This is a great article, actually. This is a really good article. So just wanted to leave you with that. Um, and those are really, like I said, those are really amazing principles. And now I think you can see why Inayat Khan has been so influential uh, in my life, um, especially if you're watching this and you know me personally. Now you know why this man has influenced me so much um, in my life. And um, yeah, he's he was really uh, an amazing person and a very, very smart guy. And uh, I just thought I'd share some of his wisdom with you guys and uh, as a broader intro to the Sufi mystics throughout history that have brought said wisdom and joy and light into the world. So, uh, unfortunately, he actually died fairly young. He was 44 years old. Um, I'm 27, so uh, he, you know, didn't live all that much past me unfortunately um you know he he is depicted as having some gray in his beard but you know um but uh yeah he he didn't really seem to have that long of a life let me see what um he died from it said that he came back to india after like touring and teaching uh, in 1926, and it just says he died uh, in New Delhi, or Delhi as it was known back then, uh, on the 5th of February, 1927. So, uh, and his birthday was July 5th, 1882. So he basically died at 44 and a half, essentially. Um, and, uh, so so yeah that's that's about it almost 44 and a half so yeah but that's pretty much all i have for you guys today but i just wanted to share with you uh how much hazrat inayat khan uh influenced me and you know he's part of the reason why i do what i do today and who I, and why i am who i am today and he was a very special guy and uh I try to apply some of what he taught uh, in my life every day. So anyway, if you liked this video, please comment, like, subscribe, and whatever. And I'm by the way, I'm not exclusively on Rumble anymore. I've 
returned to YouTube, uh, but I am still on Rumble. So uh, if you want to support me there, you can support me on there um, if you would like. If you want to support me on Substack, you can do that at the Appalachian Sufi. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter or X at the Appalachian Sufi. So support me there. Follow me there. Follow me, uh, like I said, on, on, on Substack. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on Rumble. You know, you guys know the drill. Um, subscribe to my Patreon. Follow me on Patreon, whatever the term is. You know, because um, I, as I said, I'm a disabled person and I don't make a lot of money as a result of that. So any bit helps. Um, so... Uh, support the Appalachian Sufi uh, in any way you can, because I really would like this to be uh, my livelihood. So help me make that dream uh, a reality if you could. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.